Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season three, we're talking all about travel jobs. Let's get started. Welcome back. Today's a great episode because this is information I wish I had back in my 20s. And today with my guest, Geneva, we are talking all about working holiday visas. What is that? Basically, it's a visa that allows you to travel and live and legally work in a country and get paid to be there. So for those of you who are like, oh, it costs a lot of money to travel, this is a fantastic option. So today's guest is Geneva, a travel and work abroad coach, helping clients navigate their work and travel opportunities throughout Australia, New Zealand, Europe, and Asia. Having lived, traveled, and worked abroad for over seven years, Geneva has visited 49 countries and is on a mission to help those in their 20s and 30s explore the world through working holiday visas, long-term backpacking trips, and international work exchanges. Through her business Unwrap Your Map, Geneva guides aspiring adventurers in turning travel goals into reality through practical planning and effective budgeting, leading to life-changing experiences abroad. So I'm just going to roll the episode. It's filled with lots of good information, and it's a great opportunity that you all want to miss out on. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm here today with my guest, Geneva, and we are talking all about working holiday visas. So Geneva, thanks for being here. Why don't you tell us about yourself and your background? Thank you for having me, Callie. Yeah, I, uh, I've i got a pretty extensive travel background. I would say I spent about seven plus years abroad. Um, I kind of started out as your typical Euro trip backpacker, essentially. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't going for the specific Euro trip, but it that is exactly what it turned out to be. Three months backpacking in Europe. And that was the start of what led me to all these other really incredible opportunities, including the working holiday visas. And um, so I ended up doing quite a bit of time in a couple of different countries. And um, now I'm here to talk about it today and I'm excited about it. Yay. So would you say like that European backpacking trip was the trip that started it all? Or were you interested in travel earlier on in your life, maybe like with your family and stuff like that? I was always interested in travel, but I definitely didn't know how to make it happen. I think that was the, the biggest struggle for me is, you know, like most, I, I don't want to say typical American families, but, you know, you kind of learn that your travel options are, are limited. You're either going to be doing it because of business, you know, you have a job that requires you to travel for work or you have vacation time and it's probably about two weeks and that's when you, you know, do your travels and that's, that's the end of it. So I think in many ways, I kind of knew that that was typical, but I, I was hoping to find a way to travel a lot more than that and travel more extensively, but I didn't know anybody who'd really done it. So it was, that was what made it so hard and confusing was like, I know there's a way to do it and I know people do it. I just don't know how they do it. Um, totally. So yeah. <laughs> so did you have like an idea of what your life might look like before you ever learned of working holiday visas? No, I mean, when I went to Europe, I kind of thought, okay, well, 
this is my savings will last me a couple months. And that's, you know, the time that I plan to be in Europe and travel around. And my hope was that I'd find a way to stay abroad longer, but I didn't really know what that would look like. I had no idea, you know, what the options were at that time. I just figure like, if I can find a way, I'm going to try and do that, you know, whatever that is. But I, I had no idea what that would look like. I just figured, well, I love Europe and, and that's what I have, you know, the money for right now. And that's what I know of people having done. So I'm going to start with that, do that first. And, um, yeah, I mean, in three months, you know, when you're, you're kind of like 90 days in Europe is up, I, by that time, luckily I had learned about some of the other options to keep going. And so, um, they hadn't been what I typically expected, um, or where I envisioned myself going, but they ended up being where I went next. So, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So did you go home in between or just walk us through what happened next after your backpacking trip? So after my time in Europe, I had spent most all of my money pretty much. So I came back to the States briefly, um, but I had learned when I was in Europe about the working holiday visas in New Zealand and Australia. And at the time I wasn't super interested in Australia. I said, you know, New Zealand sounds pretty fun. And I started looking into it kind of towards the tail end of my time in Europe. And by the time I was on my flight back to the States for Christmas, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and find a way to do this. I want to go to New Zealand and do a working holiday visa. Um, and at that point, I had hardly any money left in my bank account. So I came back and I stayed at my folks for about three months. And I worked two different waitressing jobs to save as much as I could to buy the flight to go to New Zealand and get the visa. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of did a couple months back in the States first. And actually, it's fun fact, I won free round trip flights to Dubai at that time as well. And um, it was for this it was about mid-March that I won the flights for. And I said, okay, that's my benchmark. I want to try and save all the money I can so that I can get to New Zealand by mid-March and I'll fly to Dubai. And then from Dubai, I'll book my own flight to New Zealand. And so that's what I ended up doing. I saved that money in two months with those two waitressing jobs. And then I went to Dubai on my free flight, hung out for 10 days, checked it out, and then flew on to New Zealand from there. Oh my goodness. A lot to unpack here. How did you win these flights to Dubai? <laughs> Actually, well, to be honest, back then it was way easier. It didn't involve all the stuff that it involves now when you're trying to win something through social media. It was it was honestly very simple. And I was following this travel company called Student Universe um, because I, I was only, I was still within a few years of graduation. So they still allowed non-students to be members of Student Universe and get great deals on flights. And um, Emirates had just started doing a nonstop flight from Boston to Dubai. And to celebrate that, that new nonstop flight, they were giving away free flights to the first hundred people to book through student universe during a set period of time. And that was when I was hoping to go to New Zealand anyway. So I was like, well, why don't I just log in and see it? Cause I saw it, I think 45 minutes after they posted the promotion and they just said first hundred people, you know, between these and these dates, you get the flights for free. And so I was like, well, why don't I just go see what'll happen if I start to, you know, put in those dates and and see if it charges me. And I got all the way to the checkout screen and it was zeroed out like first hundred person promo. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> and it was round trip, but I was like, well, I'm never going to use that, that one to return. I'm just going to go there, hang out and then leave from there. So yeah, it was just luck, I guess, part of being the first hundred people, but <laughs> wow. Okay. That's really cool. And I always like to point out these little synchronicities on this podcast because you had this idea of something you wanted to do and then something worked out so perfectly with your plan. So sometimes making that decision and taking those leaps of faith, like work out in ways you couldn't have even imagined. So Definitely. that is cool. Definitely. <laughs> so what was can you walk us through the application process and like what is involved with getting a working holiday visa for New Zealand and all of that jazz? 
Yeah. So um, it was actually very simple. I wish I had known it would have been this easy. Um, there is certain criteria you have to meet. And at that point, I was already aware of that. I had kind of done my research in advance. Um, but basically, you do have to have a bachelor's degree, or at least I think it's like a minimum of two years worth of college credit. Um, I had my bachelor's, so I was able to kind of tick that box pretty easily. And then you had to have, I think, 35, at the time, it was 3,500 US dollars worth to kind of cover yourself for the time that you're there. So anyway, they have this set criteria. And those were the two main check marks that you had to meet, the, the degree and the money to prove that you can kind of support yourself once you get there. But then everything else was like, you know, prove that you had a, I think I even, I don't think I had to do a background check at that time. I don't know if they, I don't think they required the background check. That was something I had to do for Europe. But to be honest, the application was very simple. It was all online. I think I gathered the paperwork, you know, downloaded any PDFs that I needed to from my bank account to prove that I had the money, you know, and got a PDF version of my diploma. And I kind of uploaded all of that online and finished the application within 24 hours. And I think they got back to me within four days and approved it. And what I heard for the most part was as long as you met all the criteria, you were pretty much going to get the visa, which was amazing. I mean, to be able to fill it out online, submit all the documents and within a, within a week, that entire process was done. And they were like, yep, here's your e-visa. And, you know, if you're coming from the States, you don't even need, you didn't need to go to an embassy. You didn't need to get a sticker in your passport. You didn't even, you know, none of the things that you need for some of the more extensive visa applications. I mean, it was, it was very straightforward and wow. sorted in no time. So it was pretty awesome. And it was the same for Australia, actually. Wow. Okay. And so a couple of things to note, there is an age limit, right? Yes, there is. That's the tricky part. <laughs> yes. So if you are listening, do you know off the top of your head, the age limit? At the moment, it's as far as I know, don't quote me on this, but I'm like 99% sure it's 30 for both Australia and New Zealand. And that, and what that means is like 30 inclusively. So you have to have applied and already arrived in country by the end of your third, you know, by the end of your 30th year. So before your 31st birthday, so you can do like three days shy of your 31st birthday, but you better be in country by that time. <laughs> okay. So if you are approaching that deadline and listening and you're interested, keep that in mind. That ship has sailed for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the visa is good for a year. Is that right? Yeah. So New Zealand, you get it for a year. Um, and Australia, you get it for a year as well. But something that changed after I left Australia, they actually started allowing US applicants to be eligible for the same program that everyone from the UK and parts of Europe were already eligible for, which means that they can actually extend up to two years and in some cases up to three years if you do certain work that meets certain qualifications, which actually have become kind of lenient over the years. So actually, if you do, I think, three months of what they call regional work, which means work in a certain region that is in a certain category, then you can basically apply for an extension for a second year. And then possibly if you do it again, you can apply for a third year. So cool. Yeah. Okay. So then you get this visa. Did you arrive in New Zealand without having any work yet? Correct. Yeah. I arrived in New Zealand with no idea where I wanted to stop and look for work, with no idea what kind of work I'd be doing. Um, you know, I had the money in the bank account that they required us to have, but I was planning to use that to actually travel for that first little bit of time and try and determine, you know, which part of the country I liked and where I wanted to stop and settle and try and look for a job. So yeah, I was, I was kind of not sure what I was going to do. I ended up, you know, getting one of those bus passes and just kind of like backpacking around the country on one of these hop on hop off buses and trying to scope it out and get an idea of where I wanted to be. <laughs> oh, cool. So walk us through that. What was it like? Where did you like, where did you end up? 
Yeah. So I started in Auckland um, and I, so the girl I had been traveling with for part of my time in Europe, actually, we met, this is way, <laughs> this is aging me big time, but we met online in like an online forum. I mean, this was before like Facebook groups were big and this was, I don't know, at a point in time where no one released really Instagram to meet people. I met her through some you know, if you were to pull it up now, it would look really dodgy probably, but like some nineties forum of like globe trotters, I think it was called. And it was like people that would post about trips, looking for tips and advice and to find kind of other people who are doing trips at the same time. And so she and I kind of met through there and messaged back and forth. And then we, we were planning similar trips in Europe around the same time. And we said, well, let's meet up in some of these spots and see how it goes. And if it works out well, great, we can travel together. And if not, we can go our separate ways. And so we actually ended up traveling together for two out of the three months that I was in Europe. And it was a great match, um, but she was from New Zealand. So she was the one who told me about the New Zealand working holiday visa. Yeah. So that's how I learned about that actually. But when I arrived in New Zealand, so this was a couple months after that, um, she, you know, was living in Auckland and she kind of put me up for the first few weeks while I was, you know, getting settled there, getting my phone number, getting my tax numbers set up, you know, all the admin that you kind of have to do when you arrive. Um, but from there, I ended up booking that hop on hop off bus pass. And I kind of traveled from the top of the North Island down to the bottom of the South Island. And when I got down there, I just said, this place looks fun. This is pretty cool. Let me see what kind of jobs are around here. And it was called Queenstown, which is a pretty big touristy town. There's a lot of um, skiing and snowboarding and adventure activities, a lot of bungee jumping, skydiving, that kind of thing. And I, I really enjoy that. And so I kind of had my heart set on the place for a little while. And I was like, let me see if there's any work here. And yeah, that was, that was when I started looking at my first jobs and applying for my first jobs down in Queenstown. So that was about a month. That was probably like four weeks into my time in New Zealand. I kind of, yeah, I took that first month just kind of bouncing my way down there and then started applying for jobs and decided to get settled there. <laughs> so can you tell us like, what is the job application process like? What did you have to do and what kind of work did you end up with? In yeah, so it's it's no, it's honestly, in many ways, it's not that much different from however you'd apply for jobs at home. Um, so my first job in New Zealand was as a store manager for Billabong, which uh, store management was something I had done in the States prior because my bachelor's degree was in fashion marketing. Um, and so I'd worked retail and I'd worked store management for about two years prior to, you know, traveling and, and moving to New Zealand eventually. Um, and so I got this job with Billabong, honestly, through an online job portal. It was one of their online job search platforms, like a monster.com or something of that sort. Um, I just found it online and I was kind of searching store management jobs and that came up and it was in the town of, of Queenstown where I was. And so I kind of strolled by, checked out the store and then decided to apply online because that was where they were filtering all the applications. Um, but there were a few other jobs I applied for at the same time. And honestly, I just walked in and handed out paper copies of my CV, kind of like you do anywhere else. You know, you just hand out paper resumes. And if you see a, a we're hiring sign in the window, you'll be like, Hey, what do you guys need? You know, yeah. I'm here and this is my resume. So I did that for a few places. Um, and then the billabong job was the one I applied for online and that's what I ended up getting. So I was, I actually stayed in Queenstown working that job for the majority of my visa. I was there for about 10 months, 11 months almost. Wow. Awesome. Is it typical to work like the more like retail style jobs or do people apply for corporations? Some people apply for corporations. You can. Um, but to be honest, so many people look at that visa as a fun opportunity. And I actually really encourage people to look at it that way because yeah, you can do something super serious, but you know, you're in another country and you have a chance to do whatever you want. And there are jobs 
that you can take that are in any industry really. And so there's a lot of hospitality jobs and a lot of people on these visas take jobs in hospitality, whether it's bartending or, you know, working as a barista in a coffee shop or um, doing retail, um, a lot of housekeeping jobs, anything kind of in, in hotels and um, resorts, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of tourism related jobs, but you can do pretty much anything. And, and so that was the most probably, that was the closest thing I got to a corporate job during either of my working holiday visas. That was the only one that was like overseen by a big company and, you know, had serious rules. Whereas my other jobs in Australia, they were just, they were purely for fun. So <laughs> yeah, you can kind of do whatever you want, which is cool. Very cool. And like with this job, you still had time to sort of explore and travel a little bit around New Zealand or did you kind of stay in Queenstown the whole time? I did have a little bit of time to explore, but I think that was why I decided to do Australia very differently actually was because when I was in New Zealand, since I took a serious job, you know, at that point I was concerned about my resume and I wanted to make sure that I still was doing things that were going to lead to work afterwards eventually. Cause I was worried that if I had too many fun jobs that, you know, it would be hard to get a real job later. But, um, so that was my serious job and that was fun. But yeah, I mean, I had weekends and you could only go so far during the weekends and Queenstown was a very expensive place to live. And it was kind of hard at times to feel like I had much savings left to go enjoy my days off. And since I only had two of them, you know, you could only fly to other places kind of on that South Island. And if you went to the North Island, you know, you had to probably have a pretty quick turnaround to get back to work, you know, at the end of your weekend. So yeah, I, I did get to do a little bit of traveling, but I would say most of it was before I took the job and after I, you know, finished the job before my visa was up because the rest of it was just kind of mini South Island road trips and things like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so when you were in New Zealand, did you travel back to the States at all? Or you were just there for the entire year? Nope. I stayed there for the entire year. It wasn't until the very end of my visa that I went back to the States for just a couple of weeks before I went to Australia. Okay, cool. So can you talk about that transition? So did how did it happen? Did you apply for the Australian visa while you were still in New Zealand? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't actually remember. I think I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. Actually, I did. Um, I applied for it at the end of my New Zealand visa, but I knew I was going home because I had a family event to come home for. I don't remember what it was, but there was something specific that I was coming home for. Um, so I applied for the visa knowing that I would just go for home for a couple of weeks and then fly back out, but to Australia this time. And so um, the process was pretty much the same that it was for New Zealand. It was essentially an online application. And again, I think within three or four days, they'd approved it. No sticker, no visit to the embassy, nothing like that. And so it was super easy. You just kind of go in and show your papers once you arrive. And um, I, when I got to Australia, I mean, my main reason in deciding to go to Australia actually was because everyone just said the money was really good. And <laughs> it sounds like a bad reason to go. But after my year in New Zealand, I, I did get to do some traveling, like I said, but it was I, I just didn't have the savings that I was hoping for. And people said, oh, if you really want to make money, you need to go to Australia. You need to work in Australia. And I said, really? I'm, you know, I'm not super interested in Australia, but if, if you think that's where there's money to be made, I, I might go check it out. And then if I don't enjoy it, I can leave. But it's kind of funny. I, I mean, I, I feel like I went there solely for the purpose of making more savings, making more money so that I could travel more afterwards. And I did end up kind of loving Australia actually. And I, that's where I took all the fun jobs. You know, that's where I took all the small scale jobs and moved around from different place to different place. Um, so I kind of had that New Zealand experience that was more set and um, kind of structured. And then Australia was the fun year of, you know, three months in this place, doing this job, three months in that place, doing that job. And kind of bouncing around. So that was fun. Very cool. So can you talk more about your job search approach in Australia and the types of jobs you ended up getting? 
Definitely. So again, pretty much similar to New Zealand. I applied for some jobs online, um, but a lot of them, it was word of mouth too. I met a lot of people, whether it was through my hostels or through, you know, if I had one job, sometimes they'd be the person that would put me in touch with my second job. Um, but there were some applications that um, were filed online or um, were just kind of passed around within local notice boards and things like that. And some of the hostels, they would post if there were jobs in the nearby area. Um, but yeah, my first job was at a surf shop that I just walked into and gave my CV to the manager. And I said, I've got a lot of retail experience and, you know, I was working the next day. So I checked, I took that job for about four months. And then that was in a town called Port Douglas, which was in the Northeastern coast of um, Australia. And then from there, I ended up doing a road trip around the outback with a couple of friends and then I took a job, ended up taking a job in the Outback. That was the next job I had in Australia. And that was, that was the longest job I had in Australia. That was six months straight working in the Outback, um, which <laughs> sounds funny saying it. It was called a roadhouse, which is basically a glorified gas station. It's like a really big gas station in the Outback that has a restaurant. It's got accommodation. It's got a convenience store. It's got, of course, the gas station. So it was like your one-stop shop for everything because it was in the middle of nowhere, you know? Um, but to be honest, we, I was really lucky. It was actually only about two hours from the coast. So it was probably like, you know, if you could call it the early outback, like I wasn't so deep in the outback, but I was just deep enough that there was nothing out there and we were it, you know, but just close enough to the coast that I could go do other things on my days off and things like that. So that was kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I saved a ton of money in that job. And that was one that was applied for online. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I think it was out to Perth for about three weeks. And that's when I worked in a, I had two jobs. I worked in a coffee shop for a little while, and then, um, I was working for accommodation in my hostel. So I basically stayed for free and worked as a receptionist slash, you know, evening check-in person. <laughs> cool. So when you were in the Outback, where did you sleep? What was your accommodation like? And what was life like if you're kind of far removed from everything except on your days off? Yeah. So that was actually my, to be honest, probably one of my favorite jobs when I was abroad. Um, the money definitely helped. <laughs> the money's great in a job like that because nobody won't, you know, the, the idea is that nobody really wants to do it. So it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. You're really remote. You have to commit to at least three months to take the job because they do, you know, they have to train you. And um, the, some of the plus sides, at least for that one, we had accommodation kind of provided and it was taken out of our paycheck. I think it was a hundred dollars it was like a hundred dollars a week, maybe. So it was, it was chump change in comparison to what we were making. So, you know, we had free accommodation that was provided by work. Well, free, I mean, it was removed, but we never saw it. So it just didn't, it felt like it was free accommodation. They had a car that we could use, um, that we could drive from the accommodation to the roadhouse. And the house was basically, I don't know, not even a mile up the road, like a half a mile from where we worked and just straight up the highway and then backtrack to get to work. Um, but there was nothing out there. There was nothing to spend your money on. Um, and so I think that was actually something that I appreciated about it was that it was, it was purely the simple life. You would go to work, you'd come home, you'd relax. You know, I was working the afternoon shift, which was from four until midnight. So I'd have, basically I'd have kind of a, a flip schedule from what some people would normally have, but I would stay up late of course, because I'd be working. And then when I'd come home, I'd do something to kind of relax myself for a little bit and then go to bed and sleep in the next morning because I knew I'd be working late. Um, but honestly, my days consisted of working out, which was, we had this really 
<laughs> dodgy little workout station under the house with this old equipment from the eighties, you know, just like rusty gym equipment, <laughs> but there was nothing else to do. So, and I always have enjoyed working out anyway. So it was kind of nice to have this little workout station downstairs and nobody was around. So you could play your music really loud and, you know, your roommates were at work because they would work the opposite shift to you. So it was kind of, everybody was on a rotation. So there were actually four uh, sets of backpackers that were all there at the same time working this job. And we just had rotating shifts. And so, you know, it was basically just work out, eat, sleep, go to work, <laughs> wake up, work out, go to, you know, it was the same thing every day. But on weekends, we were able to take the car that was provided by the job and drive out to the coast. And we were actually at the very bottom of the Great Barrier Reef. So once we get out to the coast, we would take a little boat across to this little island. Um, what was it called? The name Kep Kepler Island? I think it was Kepler Island. Um, but it was this tiny little island at the bottom of the Great Barrier Reef that had been kind of booming in the 90s and then just kind of died out, which is kind of sad because there were some abandoned buildings and things, but that was also really cool. <laughs> so we could explore there and the beaches were empty and beautiful blue water and clear sand. And it was such a, such a nice little escape, even though it was just for two days a week, it was enough to make the entire week fine. You know, you spend five days in the middle of nowhere doing a whole lot of nothing. And then you'd have these two days at the beach and it was great. And you were, to be honest, pocketing money. I mean, on weekends, you know, we'd get paid more for Saturdays and Sundays. I think we were making like $40 an hour on Sundays. And all I was doing was ringing people up at the cash register. I mean, that was my basic job was, you know, just taking everybody's goods from the convenience store part and then just ringing it up and then bringing out food from the restaurant. So, um, yeah, it was, it was like so surreal thinking about it now, but it was such a cool experience just to have this juxtaposition of, you know, living in the outback in the middle of nowhere and then just spending your weekends on the beach. So it was very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And like you've mentioned a couple of times, you were able to save money, which is so cool because maybe that wouldn't be your initial inclination. If you're going to Australia, maybe like we kind of think it's an expensive place, but can you talk more about how you were able, how much you were able to save? Yeah. So it's interesting because I've seen a lot of backpackers go to Australia and everybody's got different goals and reasons for being there. And that's totally cool. And I think that's part of the, the beauty of it is that everybody's there with a different purpose. Um, like I said, mine was definitely to make money, but it ended up being, even then it ended up being one of my favorite places. Um, it is expensive, but the wages, honestly, I never once felt like my wages weren't enough to cover the cost of living. Like even though the cost of living was high, the wages were really good. So um, I feel like everybody, for the most part, if you're not a completely frivolous spender, you know, just spending your money on anything, you were likely to save something, you know, at least something. But then for those of us who were intentionally trying to save, we were saving a lot. Um, and so I think it kind of depends on a person's mission when they go out there. But for the most part, most backpackers I knew were not, couldn't, couldn't spend the money fast enough. Like you, you honestly, your living arrangements, your food would be expensive, but if you were eating out every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then going out in the evening and getting drinks and things like that. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be spending a lot of money, but if you're living in, you know, you find yourself a little apartment or something, or you live in a hostel and you cook, share meals with other people or something like that, you know, you can really cut your costs. And by not eating out every single day and by not spending all my money on food or drinks or entertainment or movies or whatever, I was able to save quite a bit. But in saying that I still, you know, I still had fun. I still spent money when I wanted to and still did fun things. And I, by the end of it, I only worked in Australia for 
10 months out of the 12 months. Actually, I was there for 12, 13, 14, 15. I was there for 15 months because after my visa, I left and then quickly came back on a tourist visa. And off the record, I um, worked for three months for cash. So I think total though, I still only worked 10 or 11 months out of the entire 15 months that I was there. And I left with $16,000. And then I filed my tax return because you can still file your tax return as a backpacker and, and you get your taxes back because you're leaving the country. And my tax return had like five or $6,000 in it. So I had basically 20,000 Australian dollars saved up in the bank by the time I left at the end of those 15 months. And that was just from those jobs, you know, coffee shop, roadhouse, surf shop, um, working in a hostel. And that, I didn't even get paid for that one. You know, that was just so that I could live for free. Um, but yeah, between those few jobs, I'm yeah, $20,000 in the bank. <laughs> That's amazing. Cause like this really dispels the whole, like travel is expensive. You had a travel experience, you saved a bunch of money. You can kind of have it all, which is super mm -hmm. cool. And just kind of to open your mind to that possibility, if that's what you're looking for. Definitely, definitely. Um, and then you headed to Southeast Asia. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. I, you know, there were, I thought about it. There were so many different things I could have done with that money at that time. You know, I'm like, I could have paid off my student loans. I could have, you know, used that money to invest in property back in the States. Like there were so many different things I could have done with that kind of money. But to be honest, my only goal in saving it was so that I could travel more. <laughs> so of course, even though I was slightly tempted at the end of my year to, to use it for something different, I was like, no, this is going towards travel. So I spent six months traveling around Southeast Asia. Um, I started by booking at that time I was living in Perth. And so I just said, where's the cheapest flight to from Perth? And it was to Sri Lanka. And I heard a lot of people talking about Sri Lanka. And I was like, you know what? I'll start in Sri Lanka and then I'll fly over to like Thailand or something. And then, you know, do the typical Asia thing from there. So yeah, I started with Sri Lanka, did about three weeks there. That was, that was tough. <laughs> a struggle i'll be honest um but then yeah flew over to thailand and did the whole southeast asia backpacker thing and i think all in it was about six months for all of it and did you end up working in southeast asia as well i did but it was only after all those travels so those travels were purely for fun that was just to do some more backpacking and see some more parts of the world um and then i mean at that point i'd already been gone for about two and a half years. I mean, obviously I'd taken at least one trip back to the States, but between both of my working holiday visas and those six months in Europe, and then the three, oh, sorry, six months in Asia and those three months in Europe. At that point, you know, I'd already off and on been gone for like a little over two and a half years. Um, so after those six months in Southeast Asia, went back to the States and was kind of looking for a way to go again. <laughs> and the only opportunities I could find at that point, because I, I didn't know of any other working holidays, and at that point, I think I was closer to aging out of them as well. Um, but those were the only two that I knew of at that time. So I was looking for other ways to be abroad. And I had learned about possibly teaching English in Vietnam. So I was looking at going to do that. And in the meantime, I got in touch with a friend who I had worked with in Australia briefly. And I said, hey, I see that you're actually living in Southeast Asia. You're living in Cambodia, it looks like, and you're doing something really fun. Like, what are you up to over there? And she said, oh, I'm actually working for a travel company and it's super fun. And, um, you know, funny you mentioned me or like messaged me because today we have a job that opened up and I think you'd actually be perfect for it. And I was like, what is it? You know, what, what kind of job? And um, she gave me a rundown and it was basically something that would involve kind of managing projects that were happening in Cambodia for, for tour customers that were coming. 
And I thought, oh, I don't know. I've never worked in travel. I've only ever traveled for fun. So I don't know if that's for me. And anyway, she put me in touch with one of the managers and said, have a conversation with this person, you know, feel it out and see how it goes. And so we had um, one Zoom chat and she said, I understand you're interested in this Vietnam English thing, but if you, if you're coming over here anyway, why don't you stop off for a couple of days, check out the job, see if you like it. If you do look at staying, taking the job. And if you don't, you can go on to Vietnam. It's right next door. You know what I mean? And I said, okay, that sounds cool. And I went um, to Cambodia for a week and I had already been there in my travels and I already knew I kind of liked it. So I was like, well, I'm open to it. Um, and I fell in love with the job in that first week. And I was like, this is much more me than teaching English in Vietnam. So yeah, that I did end up working in Cambodia for two years Wow. at, at that point. Like, again, the synchronicities, it's very cool. And like, what a great story. So with all of this work and travel, like, what have you learned about yourself along the way? Oh, so much. I mean, it's whether it's about myself or about, you know, skill sets and things that kind of happen along the way. I mean, I feel like I've developed a really well-rounded set of skills by by doing this kind of travel. Um, but I mean, about myself, particularly, I gained a lot of confidence from it. Um, I, I'll admit that beforehand, I, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. I just knew I felt kind of antsy. I just wanted to go places and I wanted to see things, but I didn't know what to do with that. And, um, you know, I, I think I gained a lot of confidence through travel by really learning to kind of trust myself and you develop these amazing skills in you know, problem solving, decision-making, um, budgeting, and also these skills that are very applicable to the business world, like meeting people skills. I've developed some really strong people skills, you know, um, but also just, you know, th this combination of things that you kind of develop in your time abroad, it, it benefits your personal life and your professional life. And so there's never been a time where I've been concerned about my ability to kind of find a job later, you know, a more serious job again at another point, because travel just teaches you so many things about yourself and about what you're capable of. And it, it's because you find yourself in all these situations where you never thought you'd be and you kind of don't know, you know, what to do, but you just, you figure it out, you know? And I think in, in just taking life one day at a time and just challenging yourself with all these little things, you kind of end up creating yourself along the way. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful and coolest things about it. I love that so much. And I totally agree about like the whole confidence and like your travel doesn't take away from your ability to find like another job. It, it doesn't, it makes you an asset and like when you view it, it like that. Yeah. Makes all the difference. Very cool. And so what advice do you have someone who might be like on the fence? So like, I would love to get a working holiday visa, but I don't know. I'm uncertain. I'm scared, whatever. Yeah. So when it comes to working holidays, I mean, I just think they're such an amazing opportunity. And I'll be honest that being from the US, we don't have near as many options for working holidays as some other countries do. But in saying that, we still have options. There's about five or six working holidays specifically. And then there's teaching programs, there's au pair programs, there's all different kinds of, so whether it's a working holiday or something else, you know, there's, there's a bunch of options available to Americans. And I think it's the kind of thing where you can spend your whole life thinking about it or wondering about it or considering it. Well, you can't really, you can only spend till you're about 30, but <laughs> even if you, you know, were to think beyond that, should I go do this thing? You know, whatever it is, whether it's travel or working abroad, I mean, you can think about it or you can just do it. And here's the thing. A lot of people are afraid about what if I don't like it? Well, if you don't like it, you can go home. That's okay. That's not failure. That's just, you gave it a try and you enjoyed it for what it was, but then it was, you reached a point where you realized it was time to go. But if you never go, 
then you might spend the rest of your life wondering what it would have been like. And I just think it's so much more important to try and go see if you love it, you know, because chances are everyone I know who's done it has loved it, you know, so go figure it out for yourself. And if you change your mind or decide that the place is not for you, you try another one, you know, but it's your life Do you know, create it however you want. And even if that involves just being somewhere for a short period of time and kind of discovering along the way, what you do and don't like, and using that to take you to your next place, that's fine. Um, but these working holiday visas, especially, I think are a really amazing opportunity to get international living and working experience and also to make great friends and, and challenge yourself and learn about yourself and your possibilities. So do it. <laughs> and so what are you up to now? And if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you online? So right now I'm actually in the States. I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I'm working on developing my coaching business, but I'm kind of trying to build out my website to something bigger than just coaching. So um, it's all a work in progress and I'm finding it out as I go. But yeah, people can find me on Instagram at unwrap your map because that is my business. My business is called unwrap your map. Um, so I'm on Instagram there and also Facebook. I have a page it's unwrap your map on Facebook as well. And then unwrapyourmap.com. Um, and so that's where everything will be happening and where I'll be making announcements will probably mostly be on Instagram. So definitely start by finding me there. Perfect. And I'm going to link it in the show notes so you can just click easily. All right. Well, Geneva, thank you so much for being here. I thought it was a great conversation and I think it's such an awesome opportunity for anyone who's been thinking about it. Just don't sleep on it. Like she said, just give it a try. You never know. And for everyone else, I will catch you on the next episode. All right. Thanks for having me, Callie. Wait, before you go, if you are here because you are exploring your travel options, I'm excited to share with you that I've just revamped my free offerings to help you on your journey. Whether you need help budgeting for a career break, saving money for a trip, or learning how to effectively apply for a remote job, I've got you. Visit the link in the show notes or go directly to www.travelshifters.com slash freebies to download what you need. And don't hesitate to let me know what you think. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at the Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.